welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. He is great and greatly to be praised. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Our text tonight will be Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 24 through 30. And then Matthew 13, 36 through 43. Amen. Serve a mighty God. Amen. We've been studying the kingdom parables of Jesus. Specifically, we are looking at the passages that say the kingdom of heaven is like. Amen. We have already established that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God comes in stages. First, heaven came to earth incarnation. Jesus was the initiation of God's kingdom on this earth. Amen. He came to take back Amen. What the enemy thought he possessed. Amen. He was, he, his, was a, his was a rebellion that was designed to overthrow the prince of this world and bring the kingdom down. However, he accomplished this in a different manner than was expected. He did not lead a violent physical rebellion as many expected. Instead of raising an army, he put together a corporate body of believers. Amen. He put together a corporate body of believers. He invested in 12 men. Amen. He did indeed overthrow the prince of this world, but he did, did it in weakness rather than in strength. Amen. Instead of leading an army to victory, he allowed himself to be led to a hill called Golgotha. And thank God for Calvary. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the blood. They nailed him to an old rugged cross, and he died. But that was not the end of the story. Amen. On the day of Pentecost in an upper room, amen, the kingdom came in power as the Holy Ghost was poured out upon 120 believers. Amen. This Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God. He literally poured himself into his church. Amen. The church became the kingdom of God in this world. These parables are about this kingdom, this present kingdom of God in this world. They all relate to the church in various ways. There is, however, still a coming kingdom. Amen. The day will come when the Lord will return in all of his glory. And finally, once and for all, amen, he will overthrow the prince of this world, banishing him to a place called hell. Amen. The scope of this evening's parable extends to that point. It gives us some realities about the kingdom as it exists on this world right now. Amen. But it also looks forward to that final day, the day of the Lord. Amen. When the, God's kingdom will finally invade the whole earth. Amen. It is a parable of the wheat and the tares. Amen. Jesus gives the parable in Matthew 13, 24 through 30. And then he gives an interpretation of the parable in Matthew 13, 36 through 43. And the word of the Lord says this, 
Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while the men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servant of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in the bundles, and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barns. And then in Matthew 13, 36 through 43, the word of the Lord says this, Then Jesus said to the, sent the multitudes away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto him, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. And as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom, say his kingdom, all things that offend and them which do iniquity. And shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. If you'll put your Bibles down. Let's ask the Lord to bless this word tonight. Lord, we love and we praise you, Lord. We thank you for heart and mind to be here. Lord, we thank you for your presence we felt. Lord, thank you for the... Praise and the worship, Lord, for inhabiting your praises, Lord. We just thank you for all that you do, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you just touch and move and minister, Lord. Anoint these lips tonight, Lord, as we bind up every spirit, Lord, that tries to hinder the going forth of your word tonight, Lord. Let this word find its way into our hearts, Lord Jesus. Let it take root, Lord, that we can be rooted and grounded in you, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you just touch and minister to all those that are in attendance here and all those that may be hearing over the net. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. amen. Smile at your neighbors, you're being seated. See, there, be, there seems to be some controversy over the scope of this parable. Amen. How do you define the field? The reason for the controversy rests in the fact that Jesus identified the field as being the world. However... When the time for harvest comes, the Lord says of his angels that they shall gather out of the kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. This leads some to say that the field is the whole world in general and that the parable is a picture of righteousness living in the midst of the wicked. However, since the kingdom is the church, others have posted that this is a picture of true believers and false believers living side by side in the church. Personally, I don't see why both of these perspectives wouldn't be true. Amen? The point of the parable is not the field. 
Amen. It's not the scope of the parable that is critical. The point is the fruit. Amen. It's the fruit that is the point of the parable. And that's what Jesus was trying to convey. Wheats and tares. The Bible sometimes talks about certain things which, with the assumption that the audience knows certain details because they were common knowledge 2,000 years ago. However, since we are 2,000 years removed from the culture of the Bible, we have to take a minute and orient ourselves in the world of Jesus and his disciples to fully understand things that were readily apparent to the original listeners. When we start talking about the wheat and the tares, we have to investigate a little bit to learn the significance of these two plants being sown together in the same field. Jesus is talking about an illegal practice. There was a Roman law against sowing tares in someone else's field of wheat. Amen. The very fact that the Romans passed a law to address the practice helps us to understand that this was a fairly common practice in a way of our antagonist to injure his opponent, to hurt his way of living, to inflict injury no matter which way he could. We all know what wheat is, so let's discuss the tares. What the scripture calls a tare is a weed that is commonly called a wild wheat. The real name is a bearded darnel. Amen. It is a poisonous form of rye grass. Amen. It resembles wheat, but the head of, head of it that produces is filled with little black seeds. That's the fruit in which it bears. Its fruit is bitter. It causes dizziness and lethargy. Amen. It is classified as a strong sleep-inducing poison. See, if they had, are mistaken the harvesters together, the wheat and the tares, the tiny black seeds, must be picked out of the wheat grain by grain. It's not a job I would, let, I would like to take hold of. That had to happen before it could ever be, the grinding could ever happen for, it to, for the flour to be good. However, to complicate matters, the early stages of growth, the wheat and the tares are indistinguishable. They look the same. Once they are sown together, the only way to tell the differences between the two was their fruit. Initially, all plants look the same. The farmer might look over his field and think, man, I've got a good harvest coming in. You know, the wheat has come and it is strong and plentiful. It's a good, we're going to have a good year this year. However, as the plants began to grow to maturity and produce fruit, the difference between the tares and the wheat becomes obvious to the alert observer. Their fruit distinguishes them. The wheat produces a head that contains grain. The grain is heavy and causes the head of the wheat to droop, to droop towards the ground. The wheat bows its head. Amen. Unlike the grain of wheat, the seed of the tares are not heavy. And while the wheat bows its head under the weight of its fruit, the tares stand bold and tall without any semblance of bowing. This is an apt description of the of the distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. Amen. Those who belong to Jesus bear fruit in their lives and they are readily apparent to those around them. Amen. They are humble. They are a people of prayer. They, are, they bow their heads. They bow before Christ. They bow in submission, amen, to the things of the Lord. Amen. And they are people who let the Lord fight their battles for them. The unrighteous, however, they're arrogant and proud. They bow their head and bend their knees to no one. 
They are a prayerless people, a people who are not under submission to the Lord. Amen. The righteous and the unrighteous, like the wheat and the tares, are distinguished by their fruit. And this, I believe, is the real point of the parable. Good seed produces good fruit. Evil seed produces bad fruit. And the fruit is the only way to tell them apart. As the grain begins to grow, the head begins to form a spiteful act of the enemy becomes apparent. What looked like a bountiful harvest is now recognized as a sabotage field. Amen? And as some of the plants bow their heads while others stand arrogant and proud. Amen? Jesus was indeed showing us a picture of the world. The wicked and the righteous living side by side. Amen? In fact, the same picture may very well extend to the church house where some are submitted prayerful, producing the good fruit that springs forth from good seed, while others are rebellious and prayerless, producing the fruit that springs forth from carnality and flesh. Amen. I heard a story once of a little boy. Perhaps you've heard it too. He says this little boy went to the pastor's house where the pastor was doing some carpentry in his garage. The boy simply stood there and watched him real quiet for a long time not saying a word, not asking any of the questions that you might think he would be asking. Amen. The preacher began to wonder why the boy was watching him so intently, and finally he became curious, and he asked a question. He said, Son, are you trying to pick up on some pointers on how to build something? Is there a project that, you, that I can help you with? The little boy replied, Nope. I'm just waiting to hear what the preacher says when he hits his thumb with the hammer. Amen. He came to learn about fruit. He wanted to know how he was going to react when he hit his thumb. Amen. Because what comes in comes out. Amen. Was he going to let something fly that wasn't there? Was it going to be good fruit coming out or was it going to be bad fruit coming out? See, our fruit defines us. We are what we produce. Amen. Jesus expands on this thought in Matthew 7, 15 through 20. He says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravenly wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is honed down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Amen. There is no doubt here that Jesus is talking about the kingdom. He's talking about the church. There will be some wolves in sheep's clothing that will find their way into the kingdom. A wolf in sheep's clothing is, not, is a lot like tares in a field full of wheat. Amen. They look the same on the outside, but they are dramatically different on the inside. Only, a true, only truly a sheep, the other is a predator that is not a sheep, and they eat, upon, eat and prey upon the sheep. How can you tell them apart? Jesus says you can only identify them by their fruits. Amen. Thorns, bushes don't produce grapes, and thistles don't produce figs. This is an important point here. The good tree produces good fruit, and the corrupt tree produces evil fruit. Just like the good seed produces wheat, while the bad seed produces tares. Amen. It's impossible for them to do otherwise. It can't happen. Amen. You can't sow tares and reap wheat. 
Amen. Here's the thing. The plants produced by the good seed and the bad seed may be indistinguishable in their infancy. Amen. However, there is one immutable law. Every seed produces after its own kind. Amen. It produces after its own kind. Peach trees don't grow pears. Amen. Apples don't grow oranges. Amen. And bad seed doesn't produce good fruit. Amen. One of the main points of the parable is that what you are spiritually is, spiritually is determined by not by what you profess, but what you do. Amen. How you live your life, you're bearing fruit. Amen. It's what you put on the inside. It's what you fed. Amen. And put in yourself that's going to come out. Amen. Actions speak louder than words. In a world where wolves wear sheep's clothing, you cannot afford to judge a book by its cover. A follower of Jesus is identified by the fruit that their life produces. The fruit you produce identifies the condition of your heart. Those who produce good fruit are, according to Jesus, the children of the kingdom. Amen? But those who produce tares are the children of the wicked one, Satan. Think about that for a minute. We live in a culture that does its best to erase lines between holy and the profane. We are constantly reminded we are all God's children. But that's not exactly true. Here we find that some of the children of God, but others are the children of the devil. Amen. We are all God's creation, but not all people are his children. Amen. The primary difference between those who are his children and those who are not is the fruit they produce. Amen. This would be a good time to ask yourself, what kind of fruit does my life produce? Amen. One world, two kingdoms. Amen. See, that determines whether you're a kingdom of God. What fruit are you producing? One world, two kingdoms. Another truth that parable bears out is this. The master of the field allows both the wheat and the tares to exist side by side in the field. Why would he do that? Why not just remove the tares? Why not just purge the field? The reason is pretty simple. Wheat doesn't have deep root system. Compared to how high it grows, wheat does not put down a very deep root. You might stretch the analogy to the church and say that the wheat is not very attached to the world. Amen? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Amen? I'm not, I'm not bedding down here. You know, I'm not, I'm not taking up a residency here. Amen? It reaches the heavens without rooting itself in the world. Amen? Really, the enemy was quite ingenious because the, he understood that by the time the difference between the wheat and the tares became obvious, the root system would be hopelessly intertwined. The tares' roots run deeper than the wheat, so they run under the wheat roots. The farm farmer were to try to remove the tares when the roots were pulled up. The shallow roots of the wheat would be irreparably damaged. Amen. He allows them to grow side by side in his field. Why does he do this? Does this mean that the enemy has won? No way. Amen. The master understands that the enemy has failed to grasp. Harvest time is coming. Amen. There's a harvest coming. And on that final day, the fruit will be defined 
to be, will be defining characteristics by the fruit that they bear. That which is good will be preserved and that which is bad will be destroyed. Amen. Many people think that this image of the wheat and the tares growing side by side is the same field. Amen. In the central theme of the parable. Indeed, it is an important reminder that we are living in an era that the kingdom of God has come, but the whole earth has not yet come under its dominion. Amen. The kingdom is here in the church, but it exists side by side with the kingdom of the enemy. This is not what the Jews were expecting. They thought that the Messiah would be a conquering political king. They thought he would be overthrowing the kingdom of evil from the very beginning. They thought that their Messiah would walk into the field, rip the tares up by their roots, and throw them into the fire. But that's not what he did. He came in meekness, he came in humility, and he humbled himself. Amen. He was Messiah's suffering servant. He did come to overthrow Satan's kingdom and rescue his own people from it. However, he did not do it in the manner that they expected. Amen. Instead of riding in a white horse and carrying a blazing sword, he rode in on a foul of a donkey. Amen. He humbly submitted himself to the cross. He lifted not his voice to defend himself. Amen. He did not call down the incredible wrath of God upon those cruel men who beat him and nailed him to the cross. Instead, he laid down his life in order to inaugurate his kingdom. Amen. The kingdom that he established, the church that was born in the upper room, would exist in the midst of a broken world. The church, however, would be the world, but it would not be of this world. Amen. It would be altogether different than this world. This is his kingdom. He is our king. Amen. But his kingdom exists for the time being right alongside the kingdom of Satan. Amen. The weed is growing in the same field as the tares, and it all it will exist that way until the fullness of time has come. But mark my word, there is a day coming when the wheat and the tares will be separated. Amen. God is coming back. When that trump of God sounds, amen, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and them that remain shall be called up to meet them in the air. And then this world is going to face damnation. Amen. In the parable, the wheat and the tares could not be prematurely separated because it would have damaged the wheat before it was finished growing. Amen. In the world today, the children of God and the children of Satan, because, Satan, because it would be premature for the Lord to rapture the church right now. Amen. The fullness of the bride has not yet been reached. Amen. I believe we're just any second away from that happening. Amen. To separate them now would damage the wheat because it would diminish the bride. There are still some souls that must be saved. The church isn't leaving this world until the last soul has been reached. As long as the church is here growing side by side with evil, the wheat in the midst of the tares, amen, there is still hope for this lost world because God is still adding to his church daily such as should be saved. Amen. The harvest. But see, the day is coming when there will be a harvest. Matthew 13 and 30 said, let, let both grow together until the harvest. In the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together the fir first the tares and bind them in the bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Amen. The tares will be together and burned. There is a clear reference to eternal judgment, a place called hell.
Amen. The tares will be gathered and burnt. Those who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ have become the children of Satan. And they will receive the same judgment that Satan will receive. Amen. They will be thrown into a lake of fire when burnt into a place of everlasting torment. Amen. The parable reminds us of this all-important truth. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Amen. It is the day of the Lord, the end of the age, that the final day of the wrath of God will finally be poured out upon the children of wickedness. The day of day is surely coming, and perhaps the most important truth that this parable conveys is that no man knows the day nor the hour when the Lord is returning for his church. Amen. He may come at any time. Amen. On that day, you want to be numbered among the wheat and not the tares. Amen. You want to be feeding yourself on this word. Amen. You want to be gathered amongst those of precious like faith. Amen. You want to be bearing the fruit of the Lord. You want to be doing the Lord's work. Amen. You want to be giving yourself, submitting yourself, dying out to the things of this world. Amen. Laying them down at an altar of repentance. Amen. And giving yourself wholly unto the Lord. Amen. Don't be deceived. See, the distinguishing difference is the fruit that is produced in your life. If the fruit in your life is the bitter, poisonous fruit of this world, amen, you don't want nothing to do with that, amen. I've come tonight to remind you, amen, that it is not too late. Instead, it is never too late until it is finally too late. Until that trump sounds, amen, you still have a hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ, amen. The greatest thing we can have is that relationship with our Lord. Amen. Denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following Him, bearing those fruits, eating on that word, digesting that word. Amen. Separating ourselves from certain activities, certain places. Amen. Your environment impacts you. Your culture around you will impact you. We must be in the world but not of the world. Amen. We need to keep marching on. We need to keep pressing towards that mark, not giving in to the things of this world, fleeing temptations, amen, and staying focused. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ, amen. Be stayed upon that word, living daily out the word of Christ in your life, putting that into your life, bearing fruit from the word, amen. Separating, amen, separating, amen. There's a lot of activities we could be doing. Amen. But there's nothing greater than what we're doing here tonight. Gathering together. There's nothing greater than you can do than call somebody up and encourage them with the word of the Lord. Call them up and pray for them. Get together and pray for them. Fellowship. Break some bread. Have a little Bible study. Amen. Every chance we get, we need to be plugging it in to whoever will listen. Let him have an ear. Let him hear. Amen. Keep sowing that seed. Keep throwing it out there. It's going to take root on somebody's life. Amen. We got loved ones. We got friends. We got co-workers. We got a lot of people we care for. Amen. Keep sowing that seed. Sooner or later, something's going to snap in them. They're gonna, the light bulb's going to go off. They're going to say, you know what? I'm starting to see some things, man, that you've been saying, and it's starting to stir me and make me nervous. Amen. And they may find their way to an altar of repentance, being baptized in Jesus' name for remission of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Evidence by speaking in other tongues. 
That's what this is all about. It's us bearing our fruit. Amen. I'm not saying to start number. Oh, man, that person's acting this way. They must be a wolf. Don't do that. Amen. Pray. Pray. Pray for each other. We are the body of Christ. Amen. We are the army of God right here, and we're marching on. There are souls out there to be reached. There's loved ones that need to hear this truth. Don't, I know sometimes we, we, we get frustrated, but do it lovingly. Do it with compassion. Amen. That way they'll know. It took me eight years to get this, folks. It took me eight years. You know, her going to church, her doing her thing. Amen. Live it before them. Amen. Bear fruit. Be positive. It's too easy to try to tear somebody down, but if you can find the positives in them. Amen. We can always find a positive in something. Amen. It's just like on inspection. I could always find dirt. I could always find something. You'll find what you're looking for. Amen. But if you're looking for the goodness, amen, and if you're helping putting goodness in them, if you're mentoring, if you're loving them, amen, it's going to finally come out. Amen. I'm going to close with this. If you'll stand with me. Noah was a preacher of righteousness the entire time that he was building his ark. Amen. He preached salvation to a lost world. He warned them over and over again that judgment day was coming. God was determined to wipe out the earth and start again. But through the multitudes came, but though the multitudes came to behold the spectacle of Noah building his ark on dry land in a world that had never seen rain, they ignored his message and failed to respond to his preaching. Finally, the day came that the Lord closed the ark. Once that happened, everything changed. The rain began. The panic began. Men and women came and beat upon that door to the ark. Let us in. Let us in, they cried. But though Noah may have been compassionate enough to open the door, he was powerless to do so because the Lord shut that door. When the day of salvation of the Lord finally came, the door of salvation slammed shut. And it was the Lord who shut the door there and was no way to reopen it. There was no way for the lost to become saved. The day, that day has not come yet. We are living in that era where wheat and tare share the same field. But make no mistake about it, that day is coming. And it's not my point this evening to scare anyone, only to sound a clear warning. In the spirit of Noah, I want to warn you, the Lord will not always strive with man. Amen? He's not always going to strive with man. Right now, the wheat and the tares grow side by side. But that's not the key point of the parable. That's just the faithful description of the age we live in. The point of the parable is that the thing that distinguishes the wheat from the tares is the good fruit that the wheat produced. I've said it once this afternoon, this evening already, but I will say it again in closing. It is time to measure yourself. It is time to examine yourself. 
it is time to consider the fruit that your life is producing. I join my voice with that of the wisest man ever lived in Lamentations 3, 40 and 41. He says, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. The kingdom of heaven is like a field where wheat and tares grow together, but a day of separation is coming. Amen. Before it is too late, lift up your heart unto God and let his mercy and grace produce the good fruit of righteousness in your life. I know it's Wednesday night. I know it's 8 o'clock. But I cannot ever pass the opportunity to offer, to open up an altar to let somebody come and pray and tap into the Spirit of God. Amen. It could be life-changing for somebody tonight. I'm going to open up these altars and then ask you to come examine yourself. Lord, what kind of fruit am I bearing, Lord? Just ask the Lord to search you. Amen. You know where you're at in your walk. Have, ask Him to search you out. Dig deep. Cry out unto the Lord. Amen. Lift up somebody's name. You may be working on somebody, sowing some seeds. Lift up that name. Let the Lord take root. Let that word take root in their life. Amen. Lord, we love and we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do, Jesus. Thank you for being a mighty God, an awesome God, Jesus. Thank you for being the King of kings and the Lord 